The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So there we go. Okay, so now we'll start the recording. So last week we talked about doubt. And Tanya and I decided to start with doubt because this turns out to be so difficult and such a prevalent um, uh, hindrance that's present, and it often goes unseen. And so last week, we, uh, those of you who were here, we sent you away with the homework. If for before each session of meditation, remind yourself of those things that give you confidence in the practice. Because doubt is a lot about not having confidence in the practice, as well as not having confidence in yourself. And then the instructions were, let that confidence support you during your meditation. And how does this affect your meditation practice? So now I'd just like to open it up to comments or questions, if anybody practiced with that last week, this idea of reminding yourself, well, I, I am capable, I can do some of these things. And even if you didn't specifically practice with it last week, maybe you could imagine what effect that might have. Does anybody want to comment? Yes? For pointing this out, so often we can, when we're feeling having difficulty in our meditation, whatever it might be, we, it's so easy to get this feeling like, oh, it's always going to be like this, and that it means something about me as a person. I'm not a good meditator. Everybody else can do it. I can't. Whatever it might be, and we'll talk a little bit more about that tonight. But it can be so useful just to say, nope, this is just what's happening this moment. Doesn't mean every moment. That's fantastic to notice that, right? And it doesn't mean that we can all of a sudden become present, but just to notice the tendency to make things be permanent and to make it make up a whole story about what it means about ourselves. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that at this moment, the mind is having difficulty settling. The mind is, or there's a lot of energy or whatever it might be. That's all it means. But somehow we want to make it more. Thank you. Thank you. Was there anything more you wanted to say? No? Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to have to see if you could talk to Oh, okay. Look at this. All right. <laughs> um, I think sometimes um, 
I get like a multiple hindrance attack where I can't um, seem to focus because my there's a lot of high energy, like restlessness, and then I get doubt. I'm like, you know, I can't. This is not the right time to meditate. But as I've kind of stuck with it, it's like, okay, just keep going back to the breath, you know. But like in when I first started meditating, you know, I would give up at times, you know, and just end a meditation session. But now it's like um, I just kind of stick with it. But it's kind of like um, it's like a strong like you know I can't do this right now. It's not the right time, sort of thing. But um, just to like treat that with uh, compassion is like uh, yeah. strong. You know, it's helpful just to stick with it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so much of uh, what what he was saying as well, right? That when we start to have difficulties that we make a story and often that story is filled with doubt and self-critical or something but it's the power of staying with it the power of staying with it okay we'll have to talk really loudly so that we can't hear them in the other room anybody else want to share about um, how their practice was this week if doubt came up in any way in daily life or no I appreciate the stick with it, because um, consistency is, I, I find, is my leveler. If I keep my timing, structure, structure kind of helps me, and I deviate from the structure and travel, visiting, throws me off the, and I have to bring back. That's when I start to doubt, and then I come back to my structure. Yeah. Do you want to say something about that, Tonya? I think that's wonderful to know that the structure supports. It's a a challenge for many people when we travel or change our routines. Um, The practice is easy to have fall away, you know. Yeah, it really is. So sticking with it, and, and I love that you brought up restlessness because it, of course, is the topic for tonight. So maybe this is a good transition point. Um, and uh, so I'll just start by saying that check your pulse. Do you have one? <laughs> Are you alive? Can you move your feet and legs and hands? Then you have restlessness because you're alive, right? It's just something that is going to happen for us. And, um, and sometimes it's really intense and hindering. And other times, actually, there's, um, you know, I want to sort of start by talking about ways in which the energy, um, there can be a healthy restlessness or a healthy, you know, aspect of having energy. Um, so because it's very, it's very easy to have an aversive, aversive reaction to um, restlessness. Very easy to get really aversive with it. So first of all, I thought it was nice to just sort of remind ourselves that if we're alive, we're going to feel restless, period, right? Let's just sort of, you know, keep it simple. And, um, and then there's also a kind of an energy that can come up for people um, that can feel like they're, um, when you really have a strong aspiration to go on retreat, right? or to practice. 
sometimes people can feel like it creates a sense of restlessness. Um, but actually, that can be a very, very important energy, very important in support of aspiration. And that energy um, is important to allow because it can motivate us to deepen our practice. Um, and um, sometimes actually delight and enthusiasm can create a lot of energy that can also be seen as, um, the, you know, if we're just reacting to the energy itself and thinking, no, I should be calm, right? It actually could just be good energy, right? And joy is an energy that can arise that can feel like restlessness, can create a sense of restlessness if we, we don't recognize it for what it is and see it and appreciate it and allow it to support our practice. So hindering restlessness is um, restlessness that, you know, often stems from a feeling that things are not quite right. Um, It often stems, um, either arises with other hindrances or other hindrances are a result, actually, of the restlessness. It's typically experienced as too much energy in the body, right? Um, That can be very, very uncomfortable. It can feel like you just cannot hang in there. You can't do the sit. You cannot tolerate it. It can feel, wow, like really overwhelming at times if we have an aversive, especially relationship to it. Um, Our legs might feel like they're can't be still, our body might be bouncing around. It's very hard to meditate, right? So hindering restlessness is when it prevents us from being able to kind of be present and um, and often, again, is fueled by uh, a sense of aversion or things not being quite right or not liking the way things are. Um, and then the other part of restlessness and worry can be regret, um, so I've been talking a lot about the physical form of it, the energy in the body. And regret can also be healthy, right? There's not just unhealthy or hindering regret. Um, and um, so when we look back on things and we see that we've made mistakes, it can be very helpful to acknowledge those things, to honor the fact that you know we've made a mistake and then we can take corrective action you know, with ourselves and with maybe with others in terms of asking for forgiveness. And we don't learn, what is there's a saying that um, we learn from our mistakes, not from our successes, right? So it's important to um, kind of, if we, can, if we can notice regret that might sound like worry um, as well, like worrying we did something wrong and really just sort of stopping and checking in early with it and saying, is there something here for me to look at or to learn from, right? So there's, um, there's a teacher called um, Uteshaniya, and he, um, he teaches a lot about kind of watching our mind states in daily life. And um, one of the things that he says is, um, you know, so if there's this idea that you know we want to recognize the healthy versus unhealthy, mindfulness is what helps us do that. Mindfulness is, um, the Buddha said, like a security guard. It stands at the door of the mind. And it's there not to keep things out or to lock. There's not a locked door, 
but to, to really check, to observe. What are we letting in and what are we feeding, right, with our energy versus what, what is not so healthy that we don't want to kind of bring in and give attention to? So he says, mindfulness is not a door lock. If you lock the door, neither the bad nor the good can enter. So, um, let's see. Yeah, so actually this, this hindrance is, can be so subtle. It can be so extreme and it can be so subtle that, you know, you, you almost, you don't almost even know it's there. And it can, it can be just sort of like, you know, just this subtle sense of things are not quite right. Just not quite right. It can also be seen as more like, you know, um, a, a constant, you know, you sit, you can't wait to go eat and then you eat and then you can't wait to go walk or leave or be done. And then you're tired and you can't wait to get back home. And, you know, so it's sort of just, if you watch you know, the pattern over time, you'll start to see, yeah, I, I keep wanting to be at the next thing, but then I get to the next thing and then I want to be at the next thing. like. Um, there's a saying, you know, a, a kind of an American saying, the grass is always greener. And to me, that's sort of speaking about this, this sort of constant sense of restlessness, that it's better somewhere else. It's better over there. If only this, if only that. And that, that can really drive a lot of dissatisfaction, a lot of criticizing of others, like, if you want them to change their behavior, you can be very picky about various things and, or be critical of yourself, like not, oh, I didn't say that quite right, or I, I didn't quite, you know, and, uh. and so that's something to really watch for, to really notice and to see that really that doesn't, they say that this very subtle, very subtle layer of restlessness doesn't, doesn't go away until we're essentially in the last phase before complete enlightenment. So like I said, you're alive. <laughs> right? And I think from a, um, a neuroscience or a psychophysiology um, perspective, it's also helpful to kind of normalize this a little bit. So first of all, there's a biochemical or chemical that our brain releases called dopamine. And dopamine's job is to motivate, motivate us to take action. It literally propels us forward. So pretty much any time you set like something, your sights on something that you want or don't want, dopamine is released. Are you going to sit calm and still if you are even have, have a thought about wanting to go do something? No, there's going to be energy that arises that is going to be kind of compelling movement or action. So that is, that's not like a failing of you or your mind. This is how we've survived as a species. So to me, it's super important and helpful to kind of normalize this, to understand this, and to know that with attention, with careful attention, with kind and wise attention, we can start to recognize these impulses earlier and earlier in our mind when they arise so that we don't get carried so far down the road so many times. 
And I think that as we stop responding to these impulses, I think they come less. They're, they're less likely to arise or they're less strong because we start to notice them in more subtle ways and the feeling that arises with them. This is so prevalent that like in cognitive behavioral therapy, they actually call a cluster of different brain patterns that work together the checker, right? Literally, its job is the function of this cluster is to check, be checking. Is this right? Is it going the way it should be? Is this good enough? Should it be better? Just constant checking, 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 right? And when it gets out of um, whack, this causes a lot of depression, right? and a lot of worry and anxiety. But it's a natural function. So, and then also um, in neuroscience, they call um, this, there's this network. It's called the default mode network. And essentially, anytime we're not focused on a task, the default network mode gets activated. And um, let's see. So you can look it up in Wikipedia. It's fascinating. It has a nice little like definition for you. But essentially, it's a default state. So if we aren't actually concentrated on something, it's an interacting brain region that's highly correlated. They're highly correlated with each other, and it's called the DMN, default mode network. And um, it gets deactivated when we are in goal-oriented, certain goal-oriented tasks. So sometimes concentration practice, right, when you're really attending to the breath, is very effective at helping the default ne mode network quiet down. But as soon as, soon, a microsecond, as soon as a task is done, so if it's breath in and out, guess what gets going, right? It can just, it's so quick so quick that it's too fast for our conscious mind but we can build continuity that's why they talk about the importance of continu continuity of mindfulness is so helpful so um, the other thing to know is that um, it very much wants and catches you because it offers you a lot of thoughts about yourself and others so there becomes this identification with this process and very much about past or future. So all of those things tend to generate a sense of action or needing to do something, right? Or worry. And that's the other part, right? This sort of worrying mind, trying to fix things, figure things out, the right way to do it, how to meet the future, how to, how to manage our lives, how to, how to retire, how to you know, pay our bills, how to get some, from A to B. What's the most efficient way for me to get from point A to point B? And we can obsess about these things. You know, we're sort of at the, we can be at the mercy of, of these, the, the mind in this way with, when we aren't mindful. Right? The mind, mindfulness helps us again and again have choice. And we have to remember that it's, it's having choice um, over and over again in these very, very small movements. Very small movements. Yeah. They do say that um, this default network is modulated by acupuncture, meditation, 
and some other things, psychotherapy, antidepressants, you know, so um, meditation, that's what we're here for. It helps. Yeah. So any, any questions or responses, clarifications anyone wants to bring up here? I'd like to add something. Please do. So, Tonya, I think this is great. You um, also talked about remorse. You know, just, I mean, you may have done things in the past that were unskillful for whatever reason. Maybe we were confused or not aware of what was happening or for, what, for whatever reason. Yeah. I think it's helpful to distinguish between remorse and guilt. Mm. Guilt is not so helpful. Remorse is helpful. So what's the difference? So remorse is this, the more emphasis is on maybe the harm or the action that we did and the harm that caused and the feeling like, oh, I feel awful that I harmed this person. They feel bad. They misunderstood what I said and they think of this or something like that or whatever it may be. And just to kind of feel the, this feeling awful about it. Whereas guilt Instead of the emphasis on the harm and the object, the emphasis is on me, on the person. I'm a bad person. I can't believe I did that. I always do this. I, I will never do this again or never not do it or whatever it might be. So guilt, not so helpful. And just notice when you're in this self-criticism, self-judgment, self, it's all about you, you, you. It turns out, I mean, there's lots of science behind this too. It's not so supportive. Remorse, regret, like, oh, that's unfortunate I did that. Of course, we want to learn from our mistakes. So I'll just say that. Yeah. So um, uh, sometimes you'll hear that distinguished between guilt and shame, right? But it, it's, it's really what you want to be listening for is I'm bad versus I've done something wrong or bad, right? In one situation, you identify with it, and it creates... The guilt that Diana's describing creates a sense of shame. I'm bad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do a guided meditation, and through this, we'll kind of um, go through some steps in which to work with restlessness, and we'll practice with it. It's kind of an interesting thing, like for me, is uh, to be leading meditation. I'm going to invite you to bring to mind some restlessness. So maybe you're experiencing restlessness at the moment. <laughs> you know, maybe not. And if you're not, uh, maybe you can bring to mind a time when you did. Or you can do another practice. You can, whatever's arising. Okay, so we'll start with an alert, upright posture. And let's start with three long, slow, deep breaths, just as a way to connect with the body. Sometimes it's easier to connect when the sensations are exaggerated. There might be a little relaxation happening with the exhale. Maybe not, too. And then allowing the breath to return to normal. 
trusting that the body knows how to breathe. We don't have to do anything in particular. And to help support some settling, it can be helpful to do a little bit of a body scan. You can check in with those areas that tend to hold tension. Often that's around the eyes or the jaw. Could be the upper back, lower back, maybe the chest or the belly. It might be that just paying attention to these areas brings a little shift or some relaxation. It might not also. We're not trying to make anything happen. We're not trying to force it. We're just noticing. You can feel the pressure of the chair against your body or the cushion and feel grounded, connected. You are here. Check in with the right leg, the left leg, the right foot, and the left foot, the right arm, the left arm, and the hands. So most likely we'll be able to hear a little bit what's happening in the other room. It doesn't have to be a problem. We can just make a soft mental note sound without getting restless or agitated around it. Then we can bring our attention to the sensations of breathing. Rest your awareness on the movement, the sensations of the abdomen or the chest or feeling of air going in and out of the nose. Whichever feels the most vivid, the most accessible, the most supportive. Just very simply, gently, rest your awareness on the sensations of breathing. Perhaps you find yourself lost in thought. It doesn't have to be a problem. Just very simply, gently, begin again with the sensations of breathing.
allowing the attention to settle and to feel from the inside the sensations of breathing. Practice mindfulness of breathings. Not very complicated. Right now its instructions are pretty simple. We're just being with the sensations of breathing. The recognition that simple doesn't necessarily mean easy. It might be that There's a little agitation or excitement or this inability to settle down in some way or sense of agitation, shakiness, lots of energy. Or maybe the mind, maybe the body feels a little more settled, but the mind is feeling like it can't settle down. It's moving around. Can you be with these sensations of restlessness? Can you recognize and acknowledge that, oh, restlessness is here? Take your time with this. Because restlessness can be uncomfortable, it can be difficult to be with it. Just this movement, either of the body or the mind, or maybe both. Maybe it's more just an energetic sense of not being settled. So doing the Bella practice, B-E-L-L-A. The first B is B, be with. E is for examine. How does it feel? Is there a part of the body in which it's more predominant? Does the mind feel like it's racing around, or maybe it's not racing around, it just can't quite settle. Floating around. How does restlessness feel for you? 
How do you know when you're restless? As part of examine, it can be helpful to just drop in a question. We're not going to dig for the answer. It doesn't matter if an answer arises so much as we're just going to ask the question. If there were a belief that was underlying this restlessness, what would that belief be? Is there a belief that's fueling the restlessness? Again, it's perfectly fine if you don't know what the answer is. We're more just asking the question. And if you find yourself lost in thought, you can always come back to the sensations of breathing to kind of get settled again. That was just somebody from the other meditation hall coming in to get a hearing-assisted device. As part of examine, again, without a lot of digging or a lot of effort, there can be a very gentle inquiry. Is there something that, that's fueling this? Is there a, a particular reason why right now I feel restless? Maybe you were in a hurry to get here and just that agitation that comes with that. Maybe you were, had a conversation that had a lot of energy in it before, earlier today, or... So be with the restlessness, examine how it feels, maybe just a gentle examination of any underlying beliefs, maybe like why it's here. It's okay if you don't have any answers. And then the L is how can we lessen, how can we soften? One is to practice mindfulness with a wide angle lens. That's to open up the awareness just kind of allow, allow the energy in the body to bounce around in this container of awareness. Allow the mind to float around in this container. Maybe stop trying to pin it down. Just allowing the restlessness to be there. That's one way to lessen is with mindfulness 
with a wide-angle lens, so to speak. Another way we can lessen is mindfulness with a telephoto lens or a zoom lens. How does that feel in the body exactly? Is it like, for example, in the heart center maybe? Maybe you feel it's in the legs, the legs want to move. And how does that feel? What is that like? Yeah, so I can hear the other room. Probably you guys can too. So I don't want us to wrestle with that. Can we just allow that to be there too? Andre was just saying that words are powerful. Maybe the words here can be powerful too. And I also want to say that Maybe if there's a lot of uh, restlessness, then walking meditation may be the right um, thing to do rather than sitting meditation. Fourth step is letting go. I think I'm going to let go with of trying to lead you guys through a guided meditation when there's other <laughs> instructions in the other room. <laughs> it feels like you know we don't have a microphone here, and I don't want to be yelling. Yeah, Joe, I think we turned, out, we turned it off. This speaker we turned off, but um, it's just... It, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's a great thing to be happening when we're talking about restlessness and worry. I'm serious. <laughs> it was just, just crazy for me to sit here. Notice how much, sort of like, okay, who's that coming in, you know? And where are they going? Oh, no, are they going to open the door? You know, it was just unbelievable. It was like thing after thing after thing. <laughs> Oh, it's great. Do you have your hand up, Richard? Do you want to say something? We're recording, so. I guess we used to call it deathless celluloid, but it's digital now. Um, So I think what I notice often in, in my practice, in meditation practice, is the hindrances tend to move around a little bit. And sometimes you can say it's a multiple hindrance um, attack, but it's often sequential. So first of all, so there's this sound arising that's maybe irritating slightly, which is another of the hindrances, aversion, which we'll get to. 
but it then creates a restlessness mm -hmm. and a kind of an anxiousness or a sense of instability and being able to stay with whatever, like trying to follow Diana's instructions was pretty hysterical uh, with the sort of stereophonic instructions going on. Well, let's see. I like her instructions. Yeah. Maybe this one. More interesting. Maybe I'll slide over there. But, uh, but that's all. That was just a comment. Just to notice that. Like what's happening. Yeah, yeah, right. I think that's a, a good point, right? It's, it's there's so many ways in, right? Um, we lose in to have uh, hindrances um, hinder. So maybe I'll just say, without leading again, guided meditation, I'll finish this Bella. B E L L A. Be with. Examine, then uh, lesson, and often lesson is to one way to lesson is to just bring mindfulness to it, just bring some awareness to it. That often, like turning towards something, can have it soften. Doesn't make it go away completely necessarily, but just turning towards it, and often just using a note saying like, "Oh, this is restlessness. This is how it feels," and then letting go. It's not so easy sometimes, right? It's, uh, we sometimes can casually say, oh, just let go of that. But right, if we could let go of it easily, we would have done it already, right? It wouldn't be a hindrance. So there's a, a few things that we can do. One is just to remind yourself, like to letting go or to have any of the hindrances, but in particular, a restlessness, to have it soften or um, start to calm down there may need to be, be some patience. And just say, okay, this is going to require some patience. It's going to just require a little bit of time. doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It just means that it may require a little bit of time. And I'm sure everybody has that experience, that you start a meditation period thinking like, oh, I'm not going to do it. This is going to be torture. But then as the meditation period goes on, you start to settle down. I think all of us have that experience. So just to remind yourself, okay, I just need a little bit of patience. And the best way to build patience, right, of course, is to practice patience. So here you go. Here's a great opportunity. And also, it might require a little bit of courage. Because sometimes we're distracting ourselves from things that are uncomfortable. It's a little bit like, you know, the um, iron that's hot like this. You know, like you want to bounce off. There may be something that we're bouncing off that we don't even really know because we're bouncing off of it so much. So it may sometimes need to be just a little bit of courage to kind of let go and just say, we can just notice like, okay, maybe I need a little bit of patience, a little bit of courage. And the best way to build courage is to practice, is to do this very thing. So even if the restlessness never goes away, you're practicing patience and courage, and these are fantastic, fantastic qualities, right, that make a difference in everything you do, everything we do, right, in our lives. So that's one thing that may help to let go. It's just, I don't know, to re reflect on uh, patience and courage may be needed. Another is to reflect on when's the last time that worrying 
or uh, kind of obsessively, compulsively going over something, maybe a wrongdoing that you've done. When's the last time that that was really made a difference? <laughs> it doesn't usually work, right? If it's it's a habit of ours, but kind of worry, 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 worry doesn't change the outcome most often. It's useful to plan. It's useful to have remorse. But so often we slip into things where it's no longer useful. And just to reflect on that, like, you know, this, this isn't really useful anymore. And that might support some letting go. Something else that might be supportive to kind of, uh, for letting go is to reflect on why you're meditating in the first place. What is it about meditation that's inspiring, that's helpful, that's supportive? What kind of benefits have you had? And that might help um, with your resolve to say that even though it's difficult to be present and you want to get up and run away, perhaps, it's like, why are you meditating? What are some of the reasons for doing meditation practice? And then A for... um, Bella? The A for the last one is to appreciate any absence. When it does start to soften, just feel. What does that feel like to be less agitated? What does it feel like to have a little bit less worry? That can be enormously helpful to notice the absence, to appreciate the absence, appreciate the calm, the ease, the settledness when it arises. It may not be that exact meditation period, but whenever it does arise, just to appreciate these things. It's so easy to be dismissive of them. But the more that we appreciate and experience the calm, the easier it is for the mind to incline that way and to feel it. B, examine, I have to look at my notes here, lesson, letting go, and appreciate the awareness. Uh, Appreciate the absence. You can appreciate awareness too, that'd be good. So do, do you want to set us, or? Well, yeah, I think, so we need to just sort of, I think, rethink for a moment what the schedule is. I mean, you kind of just reviewed what the Bella practice is, which is um, wonderful. Um, if, if there are no burning questions, I almost think we should go into small groups from here, and it might be nice to kind of break it up a little bit and get people talking about these things. Does that feel right to you? Does anyone have a burning question before we do that? Okay, great. So um, do you want me to set up the small group since you've... Yeah, okay. So we're going to do groups of three. And so we can move the chairs. Maybe let's take, you know, make a little space so we don't... We have a a little space from all the sound stuff that's been happening. So go ahead and, and find, you know, two other people. And um, move your chairs and make little clusters so that you could sit in a little triangle facing each other. Um, and then I'll give the next set of instructions. Yes, that's a good, good point. So move your chairs quietly because the other group. Yes.
in your group, please discuss what role does restlessness have in your life and how strongly does it operate for you? So the role of restlessness and how strongly does it operate for you? That's the first question. So one at a time, you can take your turns moving around the circle and sharing. Um, each person can speak for three minutes, and then I'll ring the bell, and the next person will go. So whoever is sitting closest to the door, that door or wall, will be the first to start in your group. another deep breath and feel in your bodies here as we get ready to shift to a second question and we'll do um, we'll do the same thing where each person will have about two minutes to share and then we'll rotate and the question this time is what beliefs do you have that support your worry what do you believe about yourself or others that tends to result in restlessness and worry so really looking at the beliefs that fuel, right, and support and create more restlessness or more worry. Please begin. Um, what are the barriers or challenges to working with restlessness and worry? What makes it difficult? What gets in the way? What makes it hard, yeah. right, to work with this um, hindrance? So um, one person at a time sharing one or two sentences and then moving around the circle a few times. Please begin. Okay, so I just wanted to take a few minutes to sort of um, share some things that can be useful or helpful. So I know you guys started to kind of connect with that, but I think it's just sort of the last offering before we, we head off for tonight. And um, thank you for hanging in there, you know, and, and working with, for me, a constant stream of things that um, kind of are causing me to be distracted and worried and a little restless, right? So, um, yeah. So some of the things that are very, you know, said to be very useful and helpful um, with working with this energy are associating with good friends, you know, good friends in the Dharma, people who kind of are, are kind of mindful and aware of dynamics and hindrances and these kinds of things. So I know for me, I experienced that I felt supported by all of you and Diana given what was going on. Like it was really beautiful to, to be able to kind of laugh and refigure and know that we kind of are understanding the circumstances that we're in. And there wasn't somebody blaming or yelling, right? These things were very helpful. So having good friends that kind of share the understanding of what the Buddha taught is very helpful. 
to prevent us from going from restlessness and worry to anger and aversion and attacking and, you know, getting really lost in that energy. Another thing that's really helpful um, in general, because so much of um, restlessness and worry get fed by going into the future or the past, is to be more present-centered, right? To, to bring your awareness and attention more fully into the here and now. Um, and sila, so having a good ethical behavior, because regrets and worries are fed when we behave in ways that feel like we're violating our own ethical kind of um, and I, you know integrity. So, so really following the five precepts or the precepts that are working for you, that's supporting you and being your best you. Um, let's see. So, and investing less in our thoughts, being less invested and identified with these beliefs that you were just, you know, sort of sharing that kind of feed. So as we have more mindfulness and we're better able to sort of, oh yeah, that, that's a belief. <laughs> and then there's this choice. We have a choice whether or not we want to kind of invest and continue to reinforce this belief or, or hold it more lightly. And maybe even question, is there another way to look at this? Is there another way to see this? Um, another thing is really simple stuff like taking care of our bodies. Are we exercising well? Right? Are we enough for our own body? Are we eating healthy food? Are we getting the sleep and rest that we need? Right? These things actually really do contribute to the energy in the body and our ability to focus and attend. I heard people talking about devices, right? Multitasking. It's a disease for our society, right? <laughs> and, and that does not support our ability to stay centered, right? So taking vacations, um, you know, from your phones, you know, getting more disciplined about how often you check, using, recognizing that wanting to pick it up and look at every calm moment is a form of restlessness or worry. Right? And so every time we give in to that compulsion, we're reinforcing that hindrance. Let's see. Another thing is to really think about preferring right now. Like making a choice, a commitment to prefer now and what's really happening here over some idea of what we think it should be. Like this is just great. This is perfect. Right? I'm going to remember this class for a very long time. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> Another thing is um, trusting, you know, and the practice of acceptance. Huge, right? This took a lot of acceptance, right? And, and acceptance, when we can come into kind of a place where we are, are in it, we're not trying to get rid of anything that's happening. We're letting things be whole, letting ourselves have our whole experience, letting the cough happen. You know, like this is all, it's all okay. It's really great. Contentment is a support, right? Being content, it's good enough. Sort of similar to acceptance. Yeah, and just sort of more and more encouraging this sense of fundamentally it's all okay, even if it's not okay. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. 
you. Sorry. No, please. I'm, you know, we're, we're human beings in human bodies and human conditions. And I'm, I hope you feel comfortable and yeah. safe. Yeah. So um, one other thing is just to um, try and, like, if you have things that you feel regretful or remorseful about, it can be really helpful to make amends. To say, I'm sorry to somebody, or to forgive yourself, right? Forgiveness is a really, really powerful practice. And, and also, if you have things that are unfinished or kind of festering, they'll keep coming up. They'll keep coming up. So, you know, taking care of those things that are important to take care of. So I think that that's, you know, we're at 9 o'clock. I'm hoping that some of that kind of felt useful and supportive. Again, I want to remind you, you're human beings, right? So this is your, this worry and restlessness are going to happen. It's just going to happen. So the more comfortable we get with that, the kinder we get with ourselves about this, you know, the more gentle we can be with ourselves, the better. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to add anything, Diana? No, I think that was great. And so just to explore this upcoming week, the experience of restlessness, as well as are there things that you can do to help um, support the absence of restlessness? And we've talked about a number of things here, including sleep and nutrition and exercise and these types of things. But just explore what, what kinds of things help it not to be there as well as when it is there, can you be mindful as best you can? And then I think we just wish you a good evening. And thank you for coming here. And next week we'll be back in the meditation hall. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.